0: So, today we're going to talk about the Queen of Yarna.
1: But which one?
0: I'm actually talking about RuPaul. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Richie. Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone. Today is a very special podcast with a very special guest.
1: Who is it?
0: (gasps) Hi, everybody.
2: (laughs) Oh, whoops. That's all right. Delete my audio.
3: No, no, it's this is, <laughs> they're all like this, it's fine.
0: Hi, Michaela. Hi! Um, Michaela, introduce yourself and tell a little about yourself.
2: Hi, I'm Michaela. I am a Bloodborne enthusiast, I also really like Souls, I have a YouTube channel where I talk about the lore of Souls, Bloodborne, as well as various different game reviews and other game-related content. And on top of that, I do nonsense posting on Twitter, and um, occasionally I also cosplay. Yay, and you have very wonderful Maria cosplay. Yay, thank you. It's still my favorite thing, but I'd like to make some new things this year as well. What do you have in mind? So I'm thinking Jury from Utena the Musical, because that has been my obsession for well over 20 years, and hopefully also um, Edelgard von Trustfelg from Fire Emblem Three Houses. I do not know that one. But I love Utena! (laughs) you you will see all my nonsense posts about edelgard so you will see her plenty and i'm so sorry (laughs) and where can people find you in terms of youtube and uh, twitter and all that stuff so the youtube one is pretty easy except for the spelling of my name it's youtube.com slash my first name which is m-i-c-h-e-l-a and Twitter. Twitter's a little more, and that's the other one that I'll uh, that I'll post. It's a little more complicated. It's um twitter.com slash my first name, M-I-C-H-E-L-A, D like David, and the word London. And what
0: we're doing here is actually a multi-part series. Oh. Woohoo! We're gonna be talking about the Queens of Bloodboard.
2: Yes, Queen! Yay!
0: <laughs> and the first queen we'll talk about is Queen Yarnu. Now, of course, as with all of our multi-series podcasts, there is, in fact, an angelic outline.
4: (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yay! I'm so proud of myself. No, that was perfection. It's like a silly radio show. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Oh, my God. There's another one that I wanted to actually play when Redgrave and Aegon were on talking about Erden, but I completely forgot.
2: Are y'all ready for this? I don't think I'll ever be ready.
4: <laughs> oh. I,
1: I am getting so many flashbacks right now to when I used to work in the community radio station here.
0: Yeah, so Holdsworth hands did that. And like, I didn't even ask him. She just sent it to me one day. And he was like, look at what I did. And I'm like, oh my God, it's beautiful.
2: (laughs) That's amazing. Like, please tell me you just read like Orson Welles, like as Orson Welles, just books. I didn't communicate that correctly. (laughs) I know books. I don't read them, but I know of them. (laughs) You look at them and then you're just like, what this? How to talk to fair maidens? (laughs)
1: You're listening to ninety nine point nine Ballarat's own <laughs> voice FM.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. So as per the angelic outline, we're gonna talk about Queen Yarnum and basically about her life in general. So let me ask you guys, who
2: is Queen Yarnum? She is a ancient Sumerian woman who was named Queen. And it seems that in the lore of Bloodborne that the queens in the Thumerian society were chosen for their ability to bear a special child from the Great Ones. So she, uh, you know, not, not a very great life, as we'll continue on to talk about it later in this podcast. But she she was indeed a queen, but with shackles that, uh, that were involved in that. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess continuing on from what Michaela said. Um, the Queen Yanam, she is presumably chosen because she can bear the child of one of the great ones. And, um, when we encounter her initially, she, what, well, there's two ways we can encounter her. You can encounter her in the city of Tumeru Aihil, where she is with child, and then later on you see these kind of spectral images of her in the present in which her child has been stolen. And that is kind of the um, catalyst of the plot
5: post-ROM, is finding Queen Yanum's child.
6: Thank you. Now, the second question is, where was she born? That is something that I wouldn't
2: necessarily know. I would only say Thurmaru, but that seems like the obvious answer. But maybe that's not <laughs> even true. We'd have to look up her birth right. chart. <laughs>
1: I am looking at the other questions here as soon as Sin said, "Where is she born?" And I'm like, "Oh
0: <laughs> It's a classic angelic.: It's one of
3: these ones. It's, it's a classic sin outline.
0: <gasps> Thank you. Um, OK. So the next one
2: is, "Where does she live?" Well, we can say for sure that she, at least at the time of the events of the game, she lives deep, within the deepest, darkest reaches of the Thumaru I hill dungeon. So that's all we know yep. for certain. Mm-hmm. So before the dungeon,
0: let's say, let's think back to like her everyday life. Do you- <laughs> Richie, what? What's so funny? <laughs> you agreed to go talk on, about the on. queens, Richie. Make sure there. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. It's fine.
0: I was a witness. <laughs> yes. Um. So, like, where does she live? Do you think she lives in a little house? Do you think she has an apartment? Do you think?
1: So you you think she commutes to I Hill? <laughs>
2: <laughs> she takes the bus with her gown on. Yes. Well, what she's very messy from the dungeon.
1: We don't see anything that's not the dungeon. <laughs>
0: I don't know, like. Really-
1: oh, oh, no, oh, okay. You see Fumerians sleeping in the dungeon, so they presumably do just like live there. Okay,
0: but that Richie clearly didn't look at the outline before this moment because <laughs> if you see, <laughs> yeah. The- when
1: did you send me the outline? <laughs> it's about fifteen minutes no, ago.
0: I sent it to you last week, as usual. You ignored it because you ignore everything I sent you. You're like it's probably Brutus again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Richie.
1: No. The
2: fear of a Bruitas is real. Twice, summon Go on. Do you know what happened?
4: Uh, oh my god.
2: <laughs> <a> Bruitus <laughs> You can fill it with beer and it'll be craft Bruitas. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hello. Oh
6: my god, (laughs) Hi.
0: How are you?
3: I'm doing doing very well, how are you?
0: I'm great, I'm great, I missed you, little guy. How's it going, how you been?
3: Oh, it's good, good, just, uh, just looking at my baby collection.
0: (laughs) So, Ibrutus, (laughs) I, basically, Richie was just being a little antagonistic.
3: Oh, I'm just rolling all my dozens of eyes. <laughs>
0: There's so many eyes this
2: <laughs> Mikhail, do you have any questions for Abrutus? <laughs> do you commute to Thermary Murray- I hope.
3: I, I use a form of astral projection. Oh. It's instantaneous.
2: I feel like you're lying and you're just, you just take the bus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's true. It's true because a brute is not a little slug who cannot lie. So technically, <laughs> you being a bruit?
3: Every time you talk about these characters, it's like all my past sins are coming back to like drag me down. Because oh like, now it's the little slug who can't lie.
0: We can't introduce the little slug until the Willem lore is released. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. <sighs> it's not. <laughs> Where is the Brutus?
3: I'm still here. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of minutes.
0: Well I just wanted to say like thank you so much for coming by. Everybody loves you.
3: That's alright, that's alright. Aw. That's very heartwarming.
2: Oh, you bring joy, you know? There's a mug with your face on it. Yeah. That stares at Richie.
3: <laughs> I was was I consulted for likeness right?
2: That's all the time we have for today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Perhaps he
2: signed a paper with one of his many tentacles. <laughs> Alright,
0: say say hi to um to Buff Bruatus and bell Bruitus from us.
3: Oh i well, thank you.
0: Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
4: <laughs> I think I just got frenzied. <laughs>
1: Oh god, the other day I was streaming Sekiro with Mimi. And I started doing this, like, pedantic nerd voice, and everyone realized that's just the exact same voice you use when you're a (laughs) bruitus. Actually, Mimi, that's not how it
3: works. Oh
2: my god! It's not a bonfire, it's a sculptor's
3: idol. You're actually communing.
2: (laughs) That's beautiful. Now I need, like, an audiobook <laughs> read by Bruce. Oh my Thank
0: god! You. Oh my-
2: yeah.
3: It's- it's- it hurts less than the pirate.
0: But you know, people have <laughs> been, like, I have not been asking them, but, like, a lot of people are randomly like, "Oh, Rich's pirate voice is the best thing ever. Oh <sighs> Yeah. I just wanted you to know. I think the Bruce <laughs> like, is like the just best, waiting, but...
3: Well, you know the little slug who cannot lie has not debuted yet.
0: <laughs> oh, soon though. Which is
3: also the voice I use when I'm pretending the cat can talk. <laughs> so
0: Richie, Richie. Okay, before we keep keep before we we go, um, I just mm-hmm. I just got a visit from my my muse, pirate mm. Brutus. <laughs> no. <laughs>
4: I'll talk about it later. Okay.
1: So, as we were saying. I've only been up half an hour.
2: <laughs> I am amazed that like you you can function at this point. I'd just be like, mornings are for coffee and contemplation.
1: I I drank an entire 500 ml monster as soon as I got up.
2: Oh yeah, snap. I didn't brew it this No, snap. I
1: didn't, actually. I just drank it out of the
2: can. <laughs> like a, like a savage. Richie,
0: do not talk back to me! Do you know how many characters I can summon?
2: <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so how are we doing today? We're good?
2: Excellent.
3: I'm oh, really good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think we're so good.
3: I'm <laughs> really happy to be
2: here. Okay. We've been, t- we've been touched by his newly appendage already.
0: <laughs> so, back to the angelic outline. Where do you think Yarn lives? Is it a little house? Is it more of an apartment? I thought
1: you'd move on to the next question and we're still
2: here. I didn't get an answer. (laughs) I guess if we're talking lore-wise, this uh, this is never something that's stated, but we can speculate that I mean in my opinion I think that the Thumerian society was just a series of well it's kind of like Yarnum like really cool architecture castles I mean that's what we see when we yeah, go down yeah. into the dungeons so we can presume that maybe Queen Yarnum lived in one of those fancy castles huh.
1: yep. Yeah. You you see things like courtyards and fountains and gardens so clearly they yeah. they're not just digging tombs.
2: Okay. Yeah it's just yep. uh like any ancient city it was covered up with time. Yeah. Okay, thank you everyone. We're
0: doing good progress. Okay, so the next question is
3: <laughs> It's eleven forty here. We started at eleven. We're on the third question. None of it's been remotely relevant. And it was an extended <laughs> visit from a brewetess. So it's not
4: going
1: well.
0: <laughs> what are Queen Yarnum's hobbies? Mmm.
1: Well on the base well, we see her praying at an altar.
6: Okay.
5: And um looking for a baby that's pretty much (laughs) and
2: long strolls on the moonside lake
1: yeah possibly yeah
2: okay but now think back before the
0: events of bloodborne what do you think she did as hobbies
6: maybe Hmm,
0: you know what maybe she made her own dress so maybe like cosplaying was her thing. yeah
1: I was I was thinking like there's a lot of stuff in the in the chalice dungeons there's like little statues and altars and things. So she may be yeah it's pottery whistling maybe.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I thought you said whistling and not whittling for a second. (laughs) (laughs) She's like a competitive whistler. (laughs) Shh. I can't whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Shh. Yay! Oh who did that? Me, that was good. I used to whistle in college because, like, I was like singing would be embarrassing. Let me whistle. Oh my god, my computer just pooped. Okay, it is no longer pooping. It's good. Okay,
0: awesome. All right, excellent. Thank you. And now again, before Richie goes off on his oh well, this is what we see in the dungeons. This is what the (laughs) game tells us. Before that, okay. Before that, what did she do
6: for a living?
5: Uh, regal duties presumably
6: indeed runnings of matters of state mm-hmm. excellent
0: and Perhaps. how did she become queen
2: lore wise she must have been selected based on her ability to produce a child of a great one mm-hmm. god knows how that was evaluated but somehow they figured it out and it was her mm-hmm. that sounds very mm-hmm. creepy
1: Mm well I've got I've got news about the rest of the game.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's not pleasant.
0: Oh. Okay, thank you. Um and is she the first queen?
6: No. I would
2: assume not because they seem to have had a society set up that was based on these parameters. So I would assume that she was pretty well along. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and they say um they say, like, the queen was... They, they mention, like, traditionally the queen was blank. So that suggests there's been a long line of queens, yeah.
0: And in her boss fight, if she was the first queen, it would probably have said "Yarnum the first queen. Like, Lawrence the first queen. True.
1: Yeah, dramatic boss subtitle, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like how some of them are very dramatic, and then there are other enemies that are just named like, Snakeball.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lost child of antiquity, Ball.
2: <laughs> snake ball <laughs> i saw a, a a like a reimagined map of the um forbidden woods and there was the it, there was just a mouth and then a big circle that says snakes <laughs> yep and then in one corner they said motherfucking blue things and then the other corner just said oink oink motherfucker. <laughs> okay this is a good one who are her family and
6: friends <laughs> I can only think
2: of Mergo, and it makes me sad. Aww.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well, d-
5: does the Great One, she symbolically married count as family? I guess it must.
6: Perhaps.
5: Yeah. And then I guess the 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 previous, like, Thumerian queens, I guess,
1: might be family, if it's like a bloodline that's carried on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. True, and yeah. it seems that if we look at the like Canehurst lore, that family was very important to yeah. them. Yeah, and if their society was inspired by Thumerian society, then that probably would have been very important to them as yeah, well. Yeah, because
1: there is like the reason we're doing three of these is because there is like a bloodline that goes from Yarnem to Annalise to Ariana. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting; like you you see, like they're very overt. You see this portrait in Canehurst of this woman with her child that she's nursing. But then that raises this question of, like, how do they actually conceive? Because we know that they can, they, the, the Thumarians can just conceive, like, through blood. They don't actually need, like, to have intercourse. Like, they can just, like, a child can just kind of, like, form inside them.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: hmm. Yeah. From, They're so like we,
2: amphibians.
1: Yeah, or, like, like, almost like bees or something, where there's just, like, a queen
5: who seems to be able to give birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Interesting. Okay. Um, Does she have a spouse?
5: She has a wedding ring.
2: Presumably whatever great one it is. Yeah. But the thing is that like, when you look at other characters like Ariana, you don't know how willful that is.
1: Mm, And she has, well, you don't know how willful it is, but they it seems to at least be something that they know is happening in Thumaru, whereas Ariana has no
5: idea right. what's going to happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah, true, yeah. true. And that's why it's so oh. horrific, because it's the the whole tapping into the fear of the unknown.
5: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. We were saying that uh, she may be married to, like, a great one. Um, Do we know which great one it is?
5: We do not know um we see that she's got a wedding ring on though mm-hmm. so it was it was a ceremonial marriage mhm
2: if we want to be snarky we can say it's urden which means it's obviously the doll
6: <laughs>
5: yeah that's true
2: yes 100% clearly
6: <laughs> does queen yarnum have any children
2: one as far as we know yeah and that's murgo mhm But the horrific thing about it is that you can clearly tell by, I'd say, mid-game, when you see her in the Moodside Lake, that something horrible has happened. So she is not pregnant at that point, but you do see that there was some sort of horrible situation because there's blood everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we learn later that Mergo is being used by Mensis, that society, to... For for purposes of transcending humanity into yeah. greatness, mm. but yes. Long story short, Mergo is her baby. Mm-hmm. Mm. And does she have any descendants?
5: Does Mergo count?
6: And
2: presumably, all of Kanehurst would be her descendants, or at least yeah. descendants from her family. Like, couldn't it could be her? It could yeah. be other members of her family.
1: And there's also this whole thing with with Kanehurst and the blood, where it's like. You can take in Annalisa's blood, and then you're considered to be part of the Kanehurst family, even though you're not related to them. But once you get the blood in you, you're part of that bloodline.
2: It's like the 90s movies, where you, like, slash your hand, and you're like, we're blood brothers yes. now.
4: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Because we talked about this when we shot the pilot of the Queens.
1: <laughs> when we shot the
3: pilot. <laughs>
0: yes. And um,
1: and then you were like, "Oh, I I sound like a ghost. We should re-record."
0: Yeah, because I was recording
2: <laughs> in the other room. I feel like that podcast was pure gold. Though. Oh, I'm gonna put it up on um, Patreon.
1: Put it on yeah. Patreon.
2: Ah, uh, yes, your patron shall thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have a feeling that Richie is afraid to talk about one specific topic, because I lost it a little bit during that podcast when Richie mentioned the altar. <laughs> It's like you're not talking about the <laughs> happening altar
2: again. I think, I think we should absolutely talk about the altar. I think
1: this is like, it, the thing is, it's probably like the fourth time we've mentioned the altar. You're just like, Argh,
4: <laughs> Argh, even though it's
1: like, <laughs> it's literally the thing we're talking. And, I mean, Bloodborne is five years old. All right. We're still going over <laughs> things. We're allowed to mention the same thing more than once when it's relevant to what we're discussing.
0: There are certain topics that I just can't hear about anymore. Well, how do you think I feel? <laughs> but you know what, you know what, Richie?
2: I'm in a good place today. So please, Richie, tell us about that. <laughs> Let's just imagine this as a Greek myth, and Richie is Sisyphus, and yeah. whatever is lying in that altar is the rock that Sisyphus keeps you know, rolling up the hill before it comes tumbling down.
1: Well for reference, the other day, um I had to write up something for the wiki and I was doing it on the train for an hour. Mm-hmm. This is just my life now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, when we encounter Queen Yanam initially, oh she is...
6: Queen Yharnam.
0: Yharnam. oh, there's a big altar, but you know, sometimes the altar doesn't have a top, and what do you see under the top? Oh, it's the Hunter's Mark, oh my gosh, does she <laughs> bring to the Moon Presence, and does it mean the Moon Presence is Murgo's father? Oh, I don't know.
2: Thank you, Richie. <laughs> that That made me have wine in my nose. <laughs>
0: I did my best, I was like, I'm gonna go in with a positive attitude, I'm not gonna give Rich a crap about the altar, and I, I couldn't, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Why does the altar annoy you so much, but like you call on Imbruitus like several times a week?
0: <laughs> I don't know, man, I don't know, I don't know. You're
3: always, you're always asking about Willem doing moon viewing. <gasps>
0: about, okay, this
1: is my favorite thing. <laughs> it's my favorite thing, we talk about that and then it's like, the the altar, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm um, with you, I'm you, oh, altar.
0: Michaela, do you know about the Willem and the
2: lake thing? <laughs> I know that he's a crotchety old guy who points vaguely at the moon going, <laughs> and that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. That and he was supposed to have been a boss.
1: Yeah, here we go.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Excellent.
1: You'll find out more about Moon Viewing when when Sin releases her bafflingly bizarre Willem thing that she she insisted that we, like, co-write together, and, and, like, 90% of it, is, like, kinda on topic and vaguely like something Vardy would do, but then she'll just randomly have a little slug shows up and starts talking in a high-pitched voice. It's
4: amazing!
3: <laughs> you know, it just, like, there's no, like, plan or You it. it just, That's it's so normally on topic then you're
4: just
0: like, Richie, I have the little slug! Oh, he's so cute! You, know, cute? Cute. Just, you know what we're doing, Michaela? Michaela, Richie's making it seem like I invented the slug. That's not what happened. You know what? You know what? You know what? The little slug appeared on all the screams that followed part three, which is a patron podcast, but I'm going to post that part on YouTube so people see that you're just as complicit.
1: (laughs) The little slug is I was like trolling
0: you. Okay, Okay, we can do this. Rich, stop taking us off topic. Which is the voice I do when I
1: pretend my cat is talking.
0: Stop taking us off topic, Rich. We have to get through this list. It's been an hour. We're at question 10. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone. We're having a great time, aren't we? <laughs> We're good. We're on track. Okay. And the last question about Queen Yarnum in general is: Who is her biggest fan? I think it's uh,
2: I think it's the Queen Killer. Yeah. Oh yeah. He tries and he tries and he tries and he like. Goes oh shirtless. yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, notice me, Yarnum Senpai," and she's like, "No." <laughs>
1: Yeah, Lawrence yeah. also kind of like that. He's like not a—he's not a positive fan, but he's like I came all the way to i Hill to find you, had my head cut off.
6: He's like a stalker.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he is. <laughs> Lawrence is an ass.
0: He's like one of those nice guys.
1: He is. Yes, he is. Lawrence <laughs> is a nice guy. His transformation into the beast is like he starts at the beginning of the dungeon in R slash nice guys, and then as he goes down, he gradually starts posting more in R slash insult.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you know that
0: I learned what an insult is from Richie?
1: I, I'm glad. <laughs> do you hate do you hate the world more now?
0: <laughs> A
2: little. <laughs> I mean, it's good that you didn't learn from incels themselves, and that's how I learned about incels. Oh, yeah. We're from incels, yeah. so be glad that it's from Richie. your child. Ugh. Okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> this went down a dark turn. <laughs> we're talking about a dark game, and we're like, oh, This is the Yeah, well, we're just
1: joking about child sacrifice, and then you incels. <laughs> that's just disgusting.
2: Disgusting. <laughs> Trash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so thank you, everyone. Um, now we're going to move on to the present and look at what Queen Yarnum is wearing. Mm. Yeah. So here I will send you a link from Bloodborne Wiki, and it has mm-hmm. a, a bunch of pictures of Queen Yarnum, and so we can look at her as we answer these questions.
2: So. Yay. What does her attire tell us in general? She's obviously wearing a wedding dress um, inspired by a few things. One is post Victorian weddings, because I found out that the white dress wasn't exactly a trend until Queen Victoria got married in white, and it was a statement of wealth back then. Another thing about the overall design that's pretty intriguing is that it's based loosely on. Lucy Westenra's character from the 1992, I believe, movie version yep. of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was, which was designed by Eiko Ishioka. And not only is that collar Elizabethan-inspired, but it also is made to resemble a lizard. And let me look up what the name of that lizard is. It is an Australian frilled lizard. Which is kind of like yeah. the lizard in Jurassic yes. Park that ate Nedry. I have seen them. Did they try to eat you?
5: No, they're quite small.
2: No. <laughs> and they're roses that are, they're kind of like Dior roses that are placed throughout the dress. And Richie, you, you have a good knowledge yeah. of why this is. Um, Do you want to expand on that? There
1: is a recurring motif linking the Fumerians with I don't know if it's exactly the same rose every time, but they seem to be the only thing in Yarnum that uses a rose motif. So you see, you see the roses on the queen's dress, and then you also see in those little garden, those little cloistered gardens, there's little bushes with roses on them. And the doll has a, who's based on Maria, she's got a little rose on her. I don't know if it's actually a rose, it's like a dried, she has a dried flower that looks very similar on her Mm -hmm. bonnet, and then there's a removed a coffin that I guess we'll talk about some other time. That's got roses laid on it. So presumably that would be some Thumerian woman.
6: Coffins
2: of
1: bloodborne. Don't even st- no.
2: <laughs> I think it's interesting too because there aren't there aren't a lot of roses in in bloodborne. There are a lot of like sunflower ish flowers like the lumen flowers, but the roses are something that's yeah. very it's particular. It's this motif
5: that's linking all the Thumerians together.
6: Hmm. Excellent. Thank you. So now
0: we can look at specific articles of clothing. So her dress. um, Michaela talked to us a bit about that. You talked about the roses. Uh Is there anything else that we can say about the dress? Was there anything about the shoes? Well, later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Later. (laughs) This isn't shoes of blood porn.
0: (laughs) Shoes
4: of blood.
1: Elden Ring's never coming out. Like, we gotta do something.
6: Rings of Elden Ring!
1: (laughs) Like, I'm really worried. No, my my fear is that Elden Ring comes out, it has like 50 different rings in it, and Sin's just. (laughs) I can see her face, just like the smile, just gradually spreading, making her little gremlin face, and she's like, it's Rings of Elden Ring!
3: just, like, calling me at 2am.
4: Ring, Sir (laughs) Felton, ring!
2: I'm convinced that she's your actual alarm clock. Like, she calls you and that's how you wake up in the morning. (laughs) Alarm (laughs) clock's up,
0: Australia!
1: No, but this is, like, your thing about how we need to not have different seasons for different hemispheres. We just say, like, (laughs) there's winter and in the northern hemisphere it's cold and in the southern hemisphere it's hot, but it's always winter.
3: (laughs)
2: <laughs> is this like australia winterfell
1: <laughs> she was sitting there and she's like so what see what what month is it and i'm like it's like june and it's it's winter it's like yeah and it's
4: and
1: <laughs> and we're like and it's cold where you are it's like yes mm, <laughs> I'm not sure i believe you
4: <laughs>
1: like, but Richie, it's light outside <laughs> It's not dark
0: <laughs> Okay, Richie <laughs> I'm on the other focus.
1: side of the world And you're like
0: hmm. Richie, focus. I can't believe I'm saying this Focus, Richie, focus Okay so now, so now that we talked about the dress And there's nothing else to add Now we can move on to shoes So, Richie, can you send us The shoes of Queen Yarnum?
1: I am I'm just going to post it into the discord uh group d m yeah.
5: now discord has crashed, so that's good.
6: that's not good at all, Richie.
5: no, it's not good,
6: but you just said it's good
5: there's being sarcastic
6: <laughs> um
0: sarcasm. <laughs>
5: For what profit is it to a man if he
1: gains the world but loses his own soul? <laughs> Matthew sixteen twenty six, I believe.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> It'd probably be quicker to just play up to Yarnum and Bloodborne than wait for this thing
5: to open. Oh, okay.
0: Let me Google Yarnum shoes.
5: It's really oh, irritating because okay,
0: I, I, ha- I have, I have oh. them on my... Yo, oh, I found it. It's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I will post a-
1: okay.
0: yeah. oh, I okay. found it. Yep. You got it? Alright, so let's do this again. So now we're going to talk about uh, specific articles of clothing. Mm-hmm. But since Mikayla and Richie covered the dress, we're going to mm-hmm. move on to shoes. Yay. Yay! So what do her shoes tell
6: us?
5: Um, they have a slight heel. I'm looking
1: at the um, the actual like extracted 3D model right now. They actually no, they have a pretty significant heel. It's not it's not massive. But oh, it's cool. De- they definitely high heels. Yeah.
2: Oh wow. Yeah, it looks like the the legs are kind of designed with a heel, but I can't see it in the picture I have. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She's got. Um, she does have high heels on. They're not like super super high, but they're like pretty high.
0: Mm-hmm. And she has, like, a decoration on front.
1: Yeah, she has a little
5: gemstone in the toe. Mm
0: -hmm, That's very cute.
2: And I think that gemstone reminds me of the brooch that both the doll and Lady Maria wear. And it's another motif that just connects
6: the three women together. Great. Do you think they're comfortable shoes? Um...
5: No.
2: Not at all, but there's a lot of other things that seem uncomfortable about how Yarnum is at the moment. So I think that the shoes are the least of her worries.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, like when we fight her in I Hill, like the floor is quite uneven stone with like big gaps in between, so they're probably quite irritating mm-hmm. to walk in. But then when you when you encounter her, like she's like a weird astral projection. So she probably doesn't
5: she can probably just sort of glide. Right. Right
2: yeah she's probably just in her p j s in some other remote location. She's just like, All right, generate wedding dress. We're done. We're good <laughs> cool. okay, thank you. Um, okay, so let's
0: move on to accessories. Is she wearing any like um bracelets or she's wearing stuff in her head?
2: Yeah, she has kind of like a tiara yeah.
0: and earrings as well.
4: Yeah,
6: interestingly,
1: she doesn't have a crown for a queen. She has her wedding dress.
6: Well, the tiara could be a crown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true.
5: And she's got her wedding ring on.
6: Hmm. Hmm. And it's the same type of uh, motif as her earrings. Yeah. Okay. As well as the crown itself, I guess. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, okay, check out her manicure. Ooh, fun. Yeah, so you see, uh, she got her nails done.
5: Yeah.
6: And they're the same color as the ring as well.
2: That's true, it's kind of, you can't really make out the color because the colors in Bloodborne are so mm. muted. Hmm. I would guess it's some sort of a, maybe like a gray stone or an onyx, but it seems that way. It seems to reflect the the surrounding architecture really nicely. There's like an amber glow to it. Yeah. Oh, and another thing I guess we can talk
0: about now is the thing around her hands. Like the shackles
2: or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to call that, but they're I I can't believe it, but they're well, I can because this is Bloodborne, but they seem to be embossed with various very flashy designs.
1: Yeah, they're probably Mm -hmm. symbolic.
0: And I think we talked about it in the pilot, but could you guys elaborate again on what this is?
5: The pilot. I'm so glad
1: this pilot got picked up for a full series. From the the commissioning editor at Sinclair Law.
2: Producer, Sinclair Law. Director, Sinclair. Executive producer, Sinclair, 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 and Sinclair. Starring, Sinclair Law. Directed by Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima podcast. It will not win game of the year. <laughs> oh. Okay, so you guys tell me about the, the shed around her arms. It's such an interesting thing because it seems like it's almost ceremonial, mm. especially in terms of the decorations. Uh, a, a long, long time ago, a little bit of a tangent, but I went to the Met Museum in New York and I got to, I spent, I had three hours there and I spent the entire time in there weapons and armor gallery and it, they had stuff like this like in all the things that were really really ornate with with incredible sculpture work and embossing they were all ceremonial they weren't really to see battle they were just like okay a king had that a queen had that but it was really just for dress so it's really it's uh it's really no coincidence that this is really the same thing so it's it it could be very well symbolic as if to say she's I mean, it's physical, obviously, but it's also symbolic as of to say that she was really just shackled into this, this lifestyle and this hor- the horrific events that are happening to her, um, her baby being stolen and such. Yeah. So mm. it seems that she was probably, I mean, it's, it's easy to presume that she was probably kept there in that sort of mausoleum-looking boss arena, or at least during the ceremony where she was either wedded or had the child, she was shackled down. But interestingly, during the fight, you could tell that she could easily break free from that anytime. Yeah. So I think that it was more, more ceremonial and more cultural to have that shackle on the wrists.
1: Yeah. Cause if she's the, the most recent in a very long line of queens, then at this point, they're probably just aware that what's going to happen.
5: Mm-hmm. So they
1: don't need to be restrained. Yeah. Also, interestingly, um, even though she's restrained, the implication seems to be that she's never going to give birth
5: to begin with. She seems to just want to keep Murgo inside of her.
2: And plus, they say that
5: yeah.
2: every... Well, I mean, she's not a great one, but they say every great one loses its child. Yeah. And it seems to be that a lot of the humans that bear children of the great ones, they may or may not ever uh, come into full birth.
1: Yeah. And also, like, when when you're fighting her, she sort of rubs her, her belly, and that makes murgo do things, which suggests that, like, Yes. That's kind of their relationship. Yeah. Murgo is like Murgo is has passed on, but his like physical remains are inside of her, and that's like binding his spirit to her or something like that.
2: That's sad. yeah, that's kind of evident in the fact that the isn't it the Yarnum Stone? Looks like yeah. a baby. Yeah.
1: We're pretty sure the Yarnum Stone is like the remnants of Murgo, yeah.
2: So the Yarnum Stone
0: is something mm-hmm. that actually is representative of real life. We've mentioned this in some podcasts, but there's a thing called the Lithopidian or a Stone Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's basically when a fetus dies and sort of calcifies. Calcifies, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And that's a real thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that happens.
5: Presumably, it it was yeah. Every Great One loses
1: its child, so the child was lost, like in the womb, and just stayed there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: And we know that like in as far as bloodborne's concerned, like blood turns into rock eventually.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, so it sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's so weird. We just talked about dead babies and then next on the outline is makeup. <laughs> Yay! Yay.
2: Okay. It's <laughs> so like it's it's hard to hard to make that subject <laughs> fun.
1: This, it's like there's like Channels that do 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 top ten lists of like really horrifying things, but they keep the the same like countdown for every single one. So it's like talking about some hideous tragedy, and they're like number five,
2: <laughs> 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 uh, Ariana and the weird celestial child. Oh. <laughs> You kinda have to be motivated for those, I realized. That's something I learned recently. I was like, wait a second, I had to re-record some of my top ten because I was like, I sound bored. I can't sound bored. I just sound so jazz. <laughs> so high. We can be jazzed about calcified babies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So picture thirteen out of thirty-three. We can see her face. Thank you, Mef Um, I can't tell if she's wearing any makeup.
1: Well, that's the thing about fumerians because they seem to have like they have very dark like a- around their eyes and around their lips, but it's not clear if that's yeah. makeup or because the the regular fumerians also have that and like unless unless they like put it on themselves like before they go to work in the dungeon, yeah. <laughs>
2: They like put on their eyeliner. Yeah, like, I'm ready to go. I mean, they some are they are pretty
1: goth. Like I can yeah. imagine them, that being
5: part of the uniform. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, they are the most yeah. goth. I I think that either one of two things: either she doesn't have makeup, and that's just her skin tone, because the Thumerians seem almost gray, hmm. or they could have put white makeup on her, possibly. Yeah.
0: But then all Thumerians have white makeup on
2: because they're pretty pale. True. I think that they're, like, they're grayish, whereas Yarnum is, like, a, more of a stark white. Mm-hmm. So perhaps, maybe for, like, the wedding or the ceremony, they could have yeah. just made her, like, very... It, well, I mean, she's also uh, inspired by Elizabeth, like, the, yeah, the Queen Elizabeth. The so white perhaps lead, yeah. they could have, could have decked her out mm-hmm. in yeah. bright white goth yeah. makeup. Interesting, yeah. That's a good point.
5: Yeah.
2: Because she seems distinctive from the other Thumerians as far as we can see. Yeah,
5: yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
6: Should we give her a makeover? Yeah, yeah, well always. we've got
5: the 3D models, so anything's possible.
2: Excellent. I can give her like a good old cut crease. Burnham's <laughs> drag race.
1: <laughs> we were seriously <laughs> talking about doing that.:
2: Start your engines.
1: We were like, how do we keep this content going? And one of the <laughs> ideas was like, we do a fashion solo <laughs> episode.. This right- yeah, we'd do a fashion souls episode, we would actually just like summon people and rate what they were wearing and make them like walk down and turn around and walk back again.
2: <laughs> yeah. It can be like Raven and Raja's. They're two contestants on Drag Race. They're their series called Toot or Boot. <laughs> yeah. So we can rate the fashion and be like, we like, be like that's a toot, or if we don't like be like, mm, that's a boot. Oh my god, yes. oh. Uh. <laughs> Henrique, tutor boot, I give it a two. <laughs> uh, okay, thank
6: you.
0: Now let's look at her hair. Okay. Are you giving me attitude?
1: No, I'm I'm <laughs> scrolling up this um extremely exhaustive gallery looking for her hair. There it is.
0: Okay. It looks like she has like a very intricate
2: haircut, which means she went to a hairdresser. That's true. She looks like she has, I, th- it, I forget what it's called, but it's some sort of French mm-hmm. updo, yeah. almost. Yeah. Oh, no, they're roses. I'm seeing it in a little more detail. So, yeah, she definitely has, it's something that's up, but they have uh, roses that's either made of hair or white fabric or something like that. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit vaguely of how the doll might have her hair up, um, but, of course, the doll has has the wispy yeah. bangs mm-hmm. over her face, whereas Yarnum doesn't. She has the veil instead. So, that means that somewhere in the dungeons, there's a hair salon.
1: I was going to say the other Fumarians—they're either bald or it's really scraggly. So presumably Yarnem's the only one who goes there. <laughs> but also, she
2: spoiler alert: she is the hairdresser. <laughs> well, she's, the,
1: she's the queen, so she can probably pay them enough to like keep them in
5: business. Just, hmm. just with her as the only customer. Yeah.
2: True. Thank
0: you. Okay, the next one is feet.
5: Well, is shoes and feet
1: are s- a separate things?
2: Yes, yeah. It's- <laughs> Unless is she ever barefoot?
1: I'm surprised she isn't, considering who made it. <laughs>
0: um. Okay. So thank you. Um. Okay. So we kind of talked about this, uh, but generally speaking, when we encounter her in Bloodborne.
1: <laughs> Where else do you encounter her?
2: <laughs> you encounter, you her, encounter like, her in the street. In a casual <laughs> setting. You encounter her in Compton with a switchblade. You run.
1: When we encounter her in a professional setting giving a seminar.
2: <laughs> when you encounter her in the small parking space and you go, You can't park over there. <laughs> she's like, kid, I got smart (laughs) park. It's like, bitch, I'm
0: the queen. I can park wherever.
2: I know.
1: (laughs) Would she need to park if she can astral project?
2: (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's just a form of spiritual parking, though, isn't it? She parks her projections. (laughs) (laughs) She has, like, it's like the Utena movie where she turns into a car (laughs) and she freaking just parks.
4: (laughs) The only
1: thing I know about Utena, right. As I know that it's really gay and someone turns into a car. Those are the only two things I know about it. And I have it on DVD and I
3: haven't watched it. And I'm like, I don't know if the person turning into the car is going to live up to my imagination. (laughs) But I imagine it will. It will
2: live up to it and more. Thank you. But I I implore you, please don't watch the movie before you watch the series or else that's all you're going to know about it.
1: I'll watch the series. I'll watch the
5: series. Yeah.
2: Yeah, watch the series first yeah. and then the movie cuz if you just watch the movie you're like what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. You're just like this was very gay and someone <laughs> turned into a car.
1: All right, I'm I'm sold. It was
2: the it was the first DVD I ever bought yeah. and it was before I owned a DVD player. Yeah. yeah. My, my family just got a computer that had a DVD player. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy the Utena movie DVD. It just came out. So I was like, I was so excited. Yeah. I think I still own it. And now I have like a special edition one. And now I need the Blu-ray because I need the trifecta of, of weirdness <laughs> that is the Utena yes.
0: movie. Excellent. Okay. So, um, Queen <laughs> <laughs> when her blood, mm-hmm. <laughs> what what role does she play and what happens to her?
2: She plays a subtly important role in the story. Um, pretty much after Rom, arguably the second half of the game is is finding her child. So I'll have to probably pull up what the note says, but when you defeat Rom and you go to Yahoo for the first time when you get consciousness back. Um, oh, I forget what it says, but it says It uh, says
1: ritual secret broken, seek the nightmare newborn.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. Notes of
2: blood born. <laughs> no it's a platform Uh, rude motorcyclist in the back you guys are all rude and you're racing and it's not allowed but um they're just excited about this podcast they are they're racing over here so that they can listen (laughs) there we go but the you and after that throughout the rest of the game roughly except for arguably the dlc I'm not sure whether or not you hear it in the DLC or in Kane, places like Kanehurst where time seems to be frozen, but you hear the Virgo, her baby crying.
4: Yeah. So yeah.
2: slowly, little by little, you learn that the baby is being used for the Mensis ritual and mm. he's being used for absolutely terrible purposes. They're taking people against their will and trying to create these ascended, um, ungodly, unnatural forms from it. So um, she appears at key points, such as the Moonside Lake And then again, in the Nightmare of Mensis, right before you reach the, um, the Murgos Wet Nurse. Wet
5: Nurse, yeah. And
2: that's when, yep, that's when you encounter... Uh, you encounter her, and you encounter Mergo for the first time. So, by defeating the wet nurse, you're cutting off its nutrition, of course, and then you're um, essentially silencing the child. But yeah. as horrifying and sad as that sounds, it sets Queen Yarnum free, and in fact, sets uh, it's it brings closure to the story in general of Bloodborne. So that when you go when you go back down the stairs after you defeat the wet nurse, she bows to you.
1: Yeah. I I guess, like, the the other role that she plays that's important is the Chalice Dungeon boss, because you will likely do the the Chalice Dungeons after you do the main game, because she's at the very, very bottom of them. And you won't... It will be a surprise when you enter the room and you see her, because you'll realize this is the woman you've been seeing throughout the game. And if you've read the chalice descriptions up to that point, they're sort of teasing you with the idea that that the Thumerians, like they had a royalty, and then you re- the royalty is revealed to be a matriarchy, and then that's revealed to be like, and the queen took a name that had like it says classical roots, meaning that she took like a Thumerian name, and then you realize that the queen's name is Yana, which like brings everything sort of full circle, and you realize the city of Yana is a Thumerian city, and they've just forgotten.
6: Thank you, Michaela. Thank you, Richie. And the last couple of questions have to do with the future. So after Bloodborne,
0: what happens with Queen Yharnam?
5: Her horrific consciousness
1: still stirs in the labyrinth.
2: Yeah, there there you go. I mean, she is an undead queen, so presumably she would have still yeah. lived. Um, it, yeah. It's... I would like to think although this is ideal and Bloodborne is not a world of idealism, because she kind of disappeared at the very end of the of the canon game, hopefully her spirit would have found a way to move on after all that. And she kind of lived to ensure that yeah. the hunter was able to fulfill their mission.
1: Yeah, I think the the DLC is sort of like trying to not, not like explain it in like a Houston canon way. That, like, the whole thing with Cause and the orphan seems to be very deliberately mirroring the queen and Murgo to just sort of like underline what was going on with them. So, like, that's true. Cause, orphan- um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause when, when Lance came out with that video about you taking the, I believe it was the Yarnum Stone, you take it to the, yeah, yeah. The chanting, um, the shaman of the village. He, yeah. he says a bunch of very unintelligible, um, commentary about cause and thanking the hunter. But Richie, talk a little more about that because I find it hard to fathom all that.
1: Yeah. So I guess to begin with we should clarify that the the DLC that we have used to be two different DLCs and kinda like what Dark Souls 3 had, and they sort of jammed them together to make one. Which is why there's some slight like incongruities between like bits of it seem to be taking place in the waking world and then other bits seem to be taking place in the nightmare. And um Initially, like this is not something that we've talked about on this. I guess this is the first place you're going to hear about it. Is that the when when it was two DLCs, the Fishing Hamlet area was like three times the size. It was really complicated. It was like massive, and it was it kind of looked like the Nightmare Frontier with all of this like mist everywhere and these gravestones sticking out of the of the mist, and there were these islands you had to traverse, and so. We, a lot of the cut stuff is probably left from that, back when it was a more complicated, um, construction. But basically, there is leftover code and voice for the Hamlet chanting priest that you meet. Where if you present him with the Yarnum stone, he will give a little speech about, like, um, you know, cause, um, time is naught, but the sea is rumbling and things like that. And then he will, he'll say, um, cause thanks you visitor from beyond. And then we don't know what would happen. And like, I, when Lance was like digging it up, like I was talking to him and we were going back and forth and I was like, oh, do you think like, was it always the Yarnum Stone or is, are they just testing and they're just shoving the Yarnum Stone's ID in there to make sure it's the, like, it will work with that item ID. And then he's like, no, no, the prompt very specifically, it's written, give Yarnum Stone. So the Yarnum Stone was, like, very specifically part of that quest, whatever it was. I suspect the, because um, what, what's happening with with Micolash and Mensis and everything is that they're using Murgo to beckon Cods. So presumably this was, like, the sort of nice, I guess, quote-unquote, variant of that, where if you brought Mergo to Cods, then that would maybe sort of, like, close the the circle where like Coz would have a child again yeah something like that yeah
2: hmm.
0: interesting thank you
1: yeah and like because we, we were talking about the designs and everything like if you look at the design of Coz and the design of Yana they're very very similar looking because like Cos is she's like the top half looks like a woman um, but then she has the huge like the bottom half of her is like a squid or a whale or something and it's split open, like, and it looks like she's wearing like a a wedding dress. If you look at her from above, she's got this big like like trail going from the back of her. And Cos has the like she has tentacles that come down over her face, and it looks like Yarnum's veil.
5: So I think she's very deliberately designed to look like to look like Yanam, yeah, or or even just look like a woman in a wedding dress. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And the last question is kind of the same. What do you think is going on in Queen Yarnum's life after the events of Bloodborne?
2: So I'd like to think that, I mean, other than her taking up tennis and living her best life, (laughs) again, like, I'd like to think that, that her spirit was able to move on. I know that she... She is one of the, the two queens that are known as the Undead queen, so I am assuming that she's still alive somewhere, but I would like yeah. to think that she was able to get closure from that and just move on to whatever the next life is.
1: Yeah, that, that works like In terms of the story that like the whole thing starts with the healing church committing this horrible like atrocity that separates the mother from the child, and then it ends by sort of like
5: bringing them back together again, and it all sort of closes and passes on.
6: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So so Bloodborne is a happy game. Yeah.
5: <laughs> it's cathartic.
2: It is. That's a great word for it. It's yeah. kind of like how yeah. I think Yoko Taro when asked about whether Nerotomata was a happy game, he goes, "Oh, there's a happy ending of sorts."
1: <laughs> yeah, like we we talked about like like the the sort of intersection between like gothic fiction and lovecraftian fiction a little bit but like bloodborne ends up being like a very straightforward ghost story in the sort of yeah, gothic sense because you you have this like this horrible crime was committed which is the massacre at the hamlet and the defiling of cause and then the the like The, the, that sort of lingers and it's never dealt with and people keep trying to like pretend it didn't happen and it keeps coming back and coming back to get the people who did it. And then the way that you resolve it is instead of continuously trying to like push it further and further back is that you, you address it and you sort of try to undo it. So you end the, you end the curse on Yarnum by like reuniting the mother and the child again. And they sort of both like, and I guess it would have, it would have been a lot more direct in the, like, older versions where it was just straight
5: up cause in the end. Um, instead of, of the wet nurse, but like, yeah, that, yeah, you, you, you resolve it all. All
6: Alright, well, I guess that's it. Do
0: the outro, Richie.
5: That was (laughs)
1: Yanam, Fumerian Queen. an in-depth discussion and part one of our limited three-part series, The Queens of Bloodborne
0: Queens of Bloodborne
1: I guess we should thank we should thank Trin, um, who is the person who took all of those pictures of yarn and we were using as reference yes.
2: Thank you yeah. so much, Trin And,
1: yeah. and Trin, Trin can do that Yeah, yeah. Trin
2: is a rock she's, star She's in a the dungeon dungeon true queen of the
1: chalices
0: nice
2: Yeah,
1: it's yeah. true and she's able to do that because she can switch off the AI of the bosses.
0: Oh wow! She's um, a genius.
1: So thanks to her, yeah, yeah, she is. So thanks to her, we have all these like images of like Yarnem in poses you couldn't normally see because she gets up when you're the room. Aww, awesome.
4: you walk. Oh, awesome!
1: And the the shots of her doing attacks that is just Trin running up to her with the on <laughs> oh. <laughs> getting it in the face. <laughs>
2: Like the brave souls who try to take good screen caps of Maria while just getting their ass whooped, and I just salute them forever because I'm like, oh, I don't know, like I, I wish <laughs> yeah. I could, but I don't know if I have the yeah. the the They're strength. real heroes. <laughs> uh, I know not all heroes wear capes. And thank you so much, Michaela, for coming by today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me again. It's always a blast. Oh. And we'll see
0: you again next. Yep. Woohoo! Yay! There's at least what? Like 35
2: queens in Bloodborne?
1: Well, all, all women are queens.
2: <laughs> be like the feet of Bloodborne all over it. The toenails of Bloodborne. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> you, you joke, but like, I have. We have a lot. We have a lot of discussion of like claws and nails and things we could do.
0: <laughs> the <molecules> of Bloodborne! <laughs> Alright, well thank you so much and uh, we'll see y'all later!
2: Bye! Bye! Bye, thank you!